In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in to the camp. No Jesse Temple, be back with me on Thursday. Coming up in the show, we're going to break down what we saw at the second practice of spring ball. Got about, I'm not great at telling time, as anybody that saw my tweet the other day, but uh, today about hour and a half, hour 45 minutes uh, of work on the field. Uh, we'll get into that. And then also uh, what we learned from the offensive meeting with the offensive line yesterday, including getting to talk with Jake Renfro for the first time uh, since he transferred in. So uh, some good stuff from those guys and, and Jack Nelson and Jack McNell and Michael Furtney and, and the like. So we'll get to that in a little bit, but obviously going to start with what we saw at practice this morning. And it was for... After a day that uh, the offense had some some plays in, on day one, the defense, it felt like a very good day for the defense. Um, highlight of the day came courtesy of Hunter Wohler, who um, played a little bit of a robber role, a little bit of what uh, we saw from John Torchio in the past few years, just stepped in front of a little shallow cross and took it back for a touchdown. What would have been a touchdown? It was in, it was in Skelly, so... Uh, maybe there would have been an offensive lineman there or two to to knock him, or maybe the pass doesn't even get thrown in that situation, but it did from Tanner Mordecai, and it ended up in Hunter Wolder's hands, and he took it back for six. It was, I mean, what they're doing on defense right now, and we, I, on Saturday, and I think I mentioned this on Saturday, they didn't play any base defense whatsoever on Saturday. It was just straight 2-4-5. Today, they mixed it up. Today, they threw a bunch of different things at the def- at the offense, I suspect that's what we're going to see on a regular basis. We had these. We were trying to decide exactly what you wanted to call them. They had, I mean, you could call it a uh, a two three six. Uh, you could call it a three three five. You could call it a three two six. I mean, there were there were a bunch of different looks, but um, they threw a ton at the offense. And you know, I, I think this early, especially with the offense, you know, still trying to find its stride because you're installing such a brand new system. The defense has the advantage, but. You know, we saw some of the sets that we saw. We saw two down linemen, and then we saw one of the outside linebackers essentially in a two-point stance standing over essentially the tackle or the tight end, whoever was lined up right there. So they still only had two defensive linemen on the field, but they had uh, a third, essentially, guy on the line right up there as the outside linebacker. It was either usually, it was usually C.J. Getz or T.J. Bowlers. And, you know, we talked last week when we got the roster about T.J. Bowlers, you know, being 268 pounds, and gosh, is he going to be able to drop into coverage? Well, probably not uh, a ton, but holding the edge on in that formation gives him a much better chance and also uh, allows for him to use some of the pass rushing skills that he has, like on, you know, if, if it's not going to be a run, He's got an opportunity to to use some of his athleticism to get around some of the bigger tackles. So I thought that was interesting. I thought that was interesting. We saw that a bunch in a, in a bunch of different areas. You know, usually the the nose tackle was either Isaiah Mullins or Gio Paez, and then the other defensive lineman was Rodus Johnson or James Thompson Jr. So we saw that, that those were the it, with the first group, and is what I'm referring to. And with that first group is when they were going with their three-safety look, but it wasn't just three safeties. They had three corners. They had their three corners, Alexander Smith and Jason Maitre 
and uh, Ricardo Holman, along with Kamoi Latu and Hunter Wohler and Travion Blaylock. And Hunter Wohler essentially was playing linebacker. He was essentially the outside linebacker, but playing about seven yards off the ball and essentially creating havoc. Uh, the ability to, I think, mess with the offense a little bit. You have a safety body. You have a safety number, a safety guy who can play at the line of scrimmage, but also you know, get out there and pass coverage and, and deal with it and, and read. And that's exactly what Hunter Wohler did on his interception. So I thought it was a really good day for the defense. A couple other plays that stood out. Uh, Kamoi Latu, Jack Eschenbach down the middle. It looked like he was open, and uh, Kamoi Latu was able to uh, to close pretty quickly, stop just before the ball got there, so that you know Eschenbach get his hands on it and then knock it loose uh, on a ball that was down the middle from uh, Tanner Mordecai. Some of the younger guys also stood out. Akuri Lied in a in a seven on seven drill, uh, picked off Miles Burkett. You know, Elide's kind of been the the forgotten guy a little bit because he obviously um, he he was an enrollee last year, missed all spring ball because he had torn his knee up the previous you know as a senior, and then missed all of last year. But and he's still uh, still in a non contact jersey. But uh, today we got to see uh, you know some plays from him, which you you love to see a young guy who has had to overcome something, make a play like that, and you know make I guess his presence felt to an extent. So. What we see with that defense is just a ton of different looks that that Mike Trussell is going to be able to throw at you. They can, they are, they personnel wise, they have the ability to to throw a ton of different things at an offense. And um, a lot of these, uh, in a lot of these formations, it was pressure, a lot of blitzes from different areas. And you know it, that's not abnormal with what Wisconsin has done, but it certainly made life difficult on the offense today. And it, it just wasn't a better day for him. It's not to say they didn't make some plays. Nick Evers early in the practice for uh, uh, in Skelly, kind of like he did on Saturday when he hit Chris Brooks Jr. down the left sideline. This time found Tommy McIntosh. Uh, while a lot of guys are just taking these little short little throws, Nick Evers throwing the ball down the field when he gets an opportunity. And this time he found Tommy McIntosh uh, for about 40 yards. Another uh, a really good catch by McIntosh, kind of juggling it and uh, was able to hold on. Um, unfortunately, and, and I'm not exactly sure why, uh, the reps for Nick Evers have been very few and far between. Um, we saw, and again, the depth chart is what it is. Right now, it's pretty clear that Braden Locke is the number two quarterback. Um, that certainly could change. Maybe they're going to give him all those reps, and then maybe Nick Evers will get in there. But even after that, I mean, Miles Burkett got in there. My, Marshall Howe got in there. Nick Evers' reps, not a ton there, both in Skelly or you know in team drills. We just haven't seen him. And we don't get to talk to the quarterbacks uh, and uh, Phil Longo until April 12th. So we might not have an answer to this for a while, but it's uh, it's a little surprising. And there's probably a lot to it that we don't know. And we'll just have to uh, find out when we do. But his lack of reps uh, is certainly noticeable. It's certainly noticeable. So I think we talked about it on Saturday. The lack of shots down the field was just uh, kind of eye-opening as well on Saturday. Today, they took a bunch of shots down the field. Didn't connect on a lot of them, but threw a bunch of them. You know, a lot of Mordecai trying to find guys, whether it was DK uh, down the right sideline one time or, you know, trying to go down the middle for guys. They weren't able to hit them, but they threw them. So uh, what one play that did get hit was, was again, in seven-on-seven with um, Mordecai finding – Keontas Lewis for a touchdown, probably eh, probably like 25, 30 yards. It likely would have gotten called back. Um, 
Keontas Lewis just shoved shoved Ricardo Holman to the ground as as they were about to go up for the ball. So it likely would have been called back, but um, that was the uh, the lone touchdown of the day in uh, in Skellier team. There were some impressive impressive throws during one on ones, especially from Tanner Mordecai. Uh, just I mean it it didn't hurt though that uh, Skylar Bell oof, put just an absolutely nasty double move on Jason Mitri and uh, left him hanging and he held he was holding on for dear life it did not matter he got called for the for a penalty uh I, well, obviously there were no officials but uh he got he, he would have gotten called for holding and you know Skylar Bell just absolutely shook him went down the left side and and caught a touchdown from from Mordecai brutal brutal move that he put on Jason Maitre, who actually has had a really, really good first two days. Uh, he is quick. Jason Maitre is that the corner from Boston College. He is, you know, he's a quick dude. He's in the slot, and so it's uh, we're gonna probably see him a bunch. But Skyler Bell won that one. Skyler Bell definitely won that one. A couple of changes along the offensive line uh, on day two. Not with the first group, but the second group. Uh, Joe Huber was at center with the twos uh, in place of Dylan Barrett. And uh, Bo Benchwall, excuse me, J.P. Benchwall had replaced uh, Huber, who was at right guard on Saturday. Benchwall, now the right guard with the second team. So that, that little bit of change there. Uh, Joe Brunner continues to be an absolute mauler. Uh, we saw him flatten Coach Jack Picknell. I don't know if anybody saw that, probably did, uh, that uh, Phil Longo put out the other day that he, uh, he put uh, Bicknell on his butt. Well, he put uh, Gio Pias on his butt uh, during, the, during an inside drill. Uh, just flattened him. Flattened him. And they're not wearing pads. They're wearing spiders, but they're not wearing, they're not wearing shoulder pads, like full pads or anything like that. So it's not like you're necessarily supposed to be doing that. Um, but Joe Potter does not give a crap. He put him on the ground, and Gio Pires was not happy about it. He got up, shoved him. It didn't turn into anything big, but you could tell he was he was not pleased about it. A couple other things that uh, that that stood out. We got a little bit of uh, a Kurt Neal sighting, the defensive lineman, the defensive tackle, who we had, we didn't get to see a ton Saturday. Made a bunch of plays, I thought. Uh, really breaking into the backfield on the inside, drilled for for what would have been a uh, a TFL, blowing up a pass in teamwork. So those there were a couple of uh, impressive efforts uh from him and again we i i think there were some including myself that thought he might have a chance to be in the two deep uh not even in the two deep but you know have an opportunity to, to compete for playing time at that nose tackle spot and we'll see if that ends up being the case but uh, today was a good day for him a couple of injury notes jake cheney went down with what looked to be like a right leg injury don't know how serious it was he was uh certainly in some pain and alex smith uh again it's no contact, but that doesn't mean there's not contact. And uh, Braylon Allen broke off about a 25-yard gain. And at the end of it, Alex Smith tried to punch the ball loose. And as he punched the ball loose, he and Allen came together a little bit. And Allen went down, uh, was a little slow to get up, looked like it was um, a little bit of a left leg. But I again, I don't think it was anything serious. But uh, it was at least noteworthy because uh, he did stay down for – a couple seconds, and then had to limp his way back uh, to the offensive side of the ball. So um, that is a that is what we saw at practice today. We'll have more up on MattCitySportsZone.com. Jesse Temple obviously going to have a detailed uh, accounting of what happened on uh, on the athletic as well. 
Um, so, all right. So transitioning into uh, some of what we learned yesterday when we got a chance to talk to the offensive line. We got a chance to talk to Jack Bicknell and several of his guys. Um, that included Jake Renfro for the first time since he transferred in from Cincinnati. Obviously, he didn't play last year due to an injury, but been full go for about three months. Appears uh, set to replace Joe Tittman in the middle of Wisconsin's offense. Talked, we, we got to talk for, to him about for 10 minutes or so. Cut it down a little bit uh, to hit on some of the more relevant uh, information. Uh, so here is that interview. Share with us a little bit just how this transition has been going and just kind of what stands out to you in these first couple months or yeah. so being a band. Yeah, so I've been here for three months now, and it's been absolutely amazing. Uh, the city of Madison has been great. Teammates have been especially phenomenal. Uh, you know, we finally got to put on, put on the pads a little bit on Saturday, so we got to see how everyone got to play. There's some good, there's some really good offensive linemen here, and really fun to play next to them. Um, you know, I've only had a chance to play next to Tanner Borlini and Michael Fertney so far, but they were both outstanding and make my life really easy. So, yeah. Was the transition easier just because you knew some of the coaches, the coaching staff, and obviously the offensive system's different mm-hmm. a little bit, but was that transition easier for you because you knew these guys were right? Yeah, I would say so. Um, obviously, I knew a lot of the guys from Cincinnati uh, coaching-wise, and uh, I knew what to expect with uh, the workouts and, you know, the time, the schedule and all that stuff, so, and practice. And, you know, it's, I don't know if you guys were here on Saturday, but it was super up-tempo, super fast, and that's what I'm used to with everything. So, uh, yeah, it would definitely make my transition easier. Just uh, and especially with uh, the guys, they would always ask me questions like what to expect on this day and first that day. And so, yeah, definitely made my life a little easier. What was the reaction from some of the guys to winter workouts and going through that for the first time with the staff? Yeah, uh, they were pretty beat at the start. Uh, I mean, so was everybody, though. I mean, including me. So, uh, but no, they adapted and they changed. And they absolutely killed winter workouts. It was a really fun winter workout year. Um, super hard, probably the hardest I've been through in my three years. And uh, but no, they absolutely killed it, and it's been really fun so far. Michael, Michael mentioned that you're kind of one of the guys in the line room. Is there an example of that? You guys go out to eat a lot, or I don't know, just over being an example of that? Yeah, uh, I mean, we have the new training table in the south end zone, and it's it's really good. The food's really good, and we we go there uh, every night together, and we all sit down as an offensive line and eat dinner together. Um, and I give, I think that gives us an advantage uh, when it comes to the field because. You know, we're, we're all really good friends, and, you know, you don't want to let your brother down. So that makes you fight even harder. For, for that rapport like, that you've developed so far, when did that really start kicking in? And, and what, have, what steps have you taken as one of the new linemen to establish relationships and rapport with those that were here before? Yeah, uh, you know, it was, it, it was definitely a little difficult coming in, uh, seeing all these new guys that, that have played a lot of football here. Um, and, you know, it's such a great offensive line university. But, uh, you know, I really try to make my voice heard, uh, try to establish that leadership, um, and kind of just let the guys know that I'm here to play. Um, and I'm, I, you know, I'm, we're here to win a championship. And, uh, you know, I, we're going to do that this year. Uh, we got some really great people, Coach Fickle, all the offensive line, I, everyone on the team is just great. And we're here to, we mean business. Where were you health wise? You know, when were you able to be 100%? Yeah. When were you full go? Um, so right when I got here in January, I got here a little earlier than everyone else. Um, I was probably about 90% week one, and then ever since then I've been 100%. So uh, I've been 100% for the past like three months. How, how tough was it to, I guess, you know, I mean, that was the first time I've been on the field since mm-hmm. the practice, since practice got hurt in, right? Yeah. Um, so what did that feel like? And did you have to you know, wipe off some of the rust a little yeah. bit? Yeah. Oh, definitely had to wipe off some of the rust. Uh, it's, it's been a long time since I stepped on the field, and. You know, got to hit somebody, which uh, is my favorite thing to do. But uh, no, definitely had to wipe off some rust. But 
I called my dad after practice and I, I had to smile ear to ear. I was just able to play football again. I was super excited, super happy. So it felt absolutely phenomenal to get back out there and compete. So, oh yeah. What exactly was the injury that knocked you off last season? I tore my meniscus uh, four days before the first game. And then uh, I ended up tearing it again nine weeks after my first surgery. So I had to get another one. Um, but that actually made my recovery faster because they ended up removing a little bit of it. So, so it was both, both the same meniscus? Same meniscus, yes. What happened on that second one that made you tear it again? Um, I, was, I was rehabbing really hard, probably a little harder than I should have been. Um, 100% my fault. I just wanted to get back on the field and you know get back with the guys. But uh, I feel great now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to run. I'm ready to compete. The tradition of the offensive line here and kind of growing up in the Midwest, mm-hmm. you did. How much was that something you kind of looked at as you were making your decision in the, in the Yeah. Um, so my dad played in the Big Ten back in the 80s. And growing up, I've always been a Big Ten fan. Uh, it was always my dream to play in the Big Ten. So when this opportunity presented itself, it was a no-brainer. I had to go and play for Wisconsin. And Coach Fickle and next to these guys. And I mean, it's the best offensive line uh, unit uh, in, the, in the country, you know, in, in my opinion. Uh, no matter where you go, the Big Ten's always going to be the best uh, offensive line-wise. So uh, being able to be around these guys was a no-brainer, no-brainer for me. What should I uh, say? What do you think that you bring to that center position for this Wisconsin, this new scheme that Wisconsin has right now? Uh, I think I bring that physicality and that that leadership uh, that we were talking about earlier. Um, it's not a extremely difficult uh, knowledge-based offense that like you know the, the guys have had in the past, uh, from what I've heard, um, but. Just knowing what to do and playing at a high, high speed, high tempo, um, you know that kind of really starts with the center position, getting set and getting everyone lined up, and knowing the right calls. And I really think I bring that to the table. Um, but you know, after Saturday, after what I saw, everyone brings that physicality too. So I just have to keep enhancing that, and uh, you know, just keep working so I can make everyone better and they can make me better. Coach Picknell talked about like when he was at Ole Miss, he played seven or eight offensive line. You may have to because of the speed. Here. Mm-hmm. What is your impression of the talent and the depth? that Wisconsin has in this 2D, just from being around them for a few months and practicing. Yeah. I wouldn't even say just the 2D, the 3D. It's unbelievable. I've never seen anything like it. Um, everyone can play football. Uh, we just got done watching film a little bit ago, and it was unbelievable what I saw. The physicality, the speed, and the effort everyone played with was on a different level that I've ever seen. So I'm super impressed with everybody on this offensive line. Um, they can all play really good football. As you can hear, uh, Renfro seems to be fitting in just fine so far. Jack Nelson actually said that that's been the case from even before he committed. What, what stood out to me about him, um, not even as a football player, just kind of as a guy, you know, I was here when um, he took a visit and I kind of, you know, showed him around and it was almost like instantaneous, like he was one of the guys. I mean, this O-line group is super, super tight. And I mean, it was almost like he's always been here. I mean, he just really came in, bought in. So that was... That was really nice for me to see um, as an older guy. And, I mean, I was very, you know, optimistic. I was like, well, he's got everything here. Let's see how he is on the field in the weight room. And so far, I mean, he has not disappointed me. He's super strong, smart, fast. I mean, I'm I'm very impressed. Uh, Another big talking point so far here in the spring has been the intensity of practices and how they're moving so fast. You'd think it would affect the offensive line the most, um, but Nelson actually says uh, no one really complaining after some of what they've gone through in the past. I'm going to say for the O-line, it wasn't, I mean, nobody was coming off that practice like, oh my gosh, what's going on? I mean, I I would say that we weren't, I mean, bottom line is um, our previous practices as an O-line, we've seen a lot worse. 
And, uh, you know, we've been through a lot worse, and that's for sure. So, I mean, it was interesting to see kind of the, the new flow of practice. I mean, it got you out of breath, but nobody on the O-line was shell-shocked. I mean, I'm going to have to say we dealt with it the best. So Nelson actually said uh, four plays does not feel like four plays anymore. Um, he was asked a follow-up question, what does it feel like? He said just a lot more than that. Um, so with the offense they're running, it can be tiring, obviously. Uh, it's why Big Nell uh, says you can expect probably to see rotations along the line, even within games, even you know series to series. I know it's something that some fans complained about in past years, but uh, you know with this offense they're running, Big Nell says it's uh, a good thing for them. You know, is that Ole Miss? Greg Little came off one series a game, and for whatever reason, he always struggled learning the game with just. But but he was a top round draft pick, you know. And so we'd put someone in for him. I had a right tackle that would rotate every series, you know, or maybe every two series. I think we did. Hey, you got two, and then you got two. So you just try to figure out if they're basically equal, then they're going to play basically equal. But if there's one that's way better, hey, just given, just maybe it's a somebody gets a series off of half, and then that it's amazing how much that can help them. Number one. You know, be able to see things from a little bit of a different perspective, what's going on out there. But really more than that is just being able to be fresh in the fourth quarter. Determining how those rotations are going to play out still very much up in the air to this point, to what we've seen. The same guys that started out playing last year or played a lot last year are with the top group. And Big uh, Nelson, I mean, you can it was kind of by default considering the amount of snaps they got last year, but he actually says he loves the competition in the room, and uh, there's there's nobody that's safe at this point in terms of having a job lined up within his unit. That's what makes every person better, you know, because they're not getting complete, complacent. They're not saying, well, I kind of have it made. I don't think anybody can really say that in our group because we got some really good players, uh, and that that's what really makes you good, to be honest. I've been places where those guys, I would say that, and the whole line be like, yeah, I don't think so. You know, there's, <laughs> you know, this guy's not playing over me. They absolutely cannot say that here because they absolutely have some guys behind them that can play. Uh, one of those guys that is coming back, Michael Furtney, uh, started a bunch of games last year, then kind of tailed off toward the end of last season. It's why he put his name in the transfer portal. Um, that didn't last very long. He explained exactly the whole situation, how it played out yesterday. So it was honestly a pretty crazy experience for me because when I first entered my name in the portal, Coach Fickle had called me and said, hey, I'm coming back from Chicago tonight. Will you still be willing to meet with me? I said, yes, of course. So I came up that night when he got back and I talked with him. Leaving, we had a great conversation. Leaving, I said, hey, Coach, like my mind's still in this, going in the same direction here, but I am still open to whenever you hire this OC and O-line coach uh, to talking to them. And sure enough, when he hired Coach Longo and Coach Bicknell, they got in Friday, and I went in and talked to him Saturday. And uh, kind of if I had like a, a list, if I had like a chalkboard, I'd write a list down of all the things I wanted, and it's like a new staff and a new O-line coach. It was times got kind of like weird how like they'd say things word for word how I would word it or and they just kind of brought everything to the table that I wanted. And I was like, well, if I get to be with all the guys, these guys I really care about, get to be in the city that I love, I, you know, rep the motion W still, and I get to play for a staff that represents everything I want, it really, it's really a no-brainer. And I uh, couldn't get my name out quick enough. All right, so a couple more notes from yesterday. Bicknell, he sees Trey Wedig 
as his a uh, little bit of a Swiss Army knife, thinks he can play anywhere and likely be the first guy uh, off the bench for all of them. Pretty much the same story for Joe Huber. He was the second-team guard here these first two days. Uh, Bicknell also mentioned that Joe Brunner, Nolan Rucci among guys that he thinks could be in the mix as well. So uh, that's going to do it for the show. Going to be back tomorrow with uh, more from spring. One programming note, tomorrow's episode might be a little later in the day. I've got a couple interviews lined up um, after we meet with the defensive linemen. So might be looking at one or two. Again, please let me know what you think about the Daily Pods. I've gotten uh, some really positive feedback so far. I appreciate it. I'm sure there are others that might have some suggestions for improvement. Those are welcome, too. My DMs are wide open. Uh, Until tomorrow, you've been listening to The Camp.